Good morning. I would say it's great to be back, but I promised the Lord I wouldn't lie. Just came back from vacation. We were up north for two weeks with my daughter and son-in-law and my two grandsons, 11 and 14. And I'm 73, and you know what it's like chasing two kids around for two weeks and playing and playing and running and playing and fishing and playing. And, and Norma, uh, she cooked and cooked and cooked and cooked. And we had a lot of fun, a lot of fun. We got back yesterday evening, and here I am this morning preaching. My name is Rick. My, uh, for you who don't know me, uh, my official title is a Discipleship Pastor. And what that means is that uh, I do everything else that anybody don't want to do. <laughs> not really, not really. But it's a joy being here and sharing this morning. Um, uh, usually I don't preach on Sunday mornings. I do usually Wednesday nights, but uh, we flipped a coin and I lost. And uh, so not really. Pastor gave us a line and who's doing what before I left. And this was my Sunday. And uh, I just want to share with you this morning uh, the Lordship of Christ and what it means. When I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about, uh, um, I'm not a preacher. Uh, but what I wanted to talk about and what I wanted to share with you this morning, um, I wanted to share a life experience, Okay. And, and, and lordship and what it means. And uh, I want to start with just giving you a little bit of a background, of a, a little bit of a testimony. Um, uh, I think I'm, uh, I'm a pretty normal guy. I love sports and hot dogs, camping. And uh, like I said, I'm pretty normal. Norma thinks probably I, I like sports a little bit too much, but I do love sports. And she's shaking her head yes. Um, but, uh, but when it comes down to spiritual things, I got saved when I was 17 years old, uh, right after probably my greatest, it was during the summer, and right after my greatest year in sports, um, uh, um, the pastor was speaking that Sunday morning, and I went to a small church, the CMA, Christian Missionary Alliance in Rockwood, and at that time it was a small church, around about 40, 50 people, but the, Lord was, uh, the pastor was speaking on hell, and, uh, and I listened and, uh, and I thought, wow, I don't want to go to hell. So I, I went to the altar that, that morning. Uh, back then, you went to the altar. And I went to the altar that morning and prayed. And uh, uh, I was raised in a Christian home. My grandma, in fact, this church started in my grandma's house. And uh, my mom was a Christian. My dad wasn't. My two older sisters were, and they were all praying for me. And, and, and I got saved. And, and I'll be honest with you, I had a hard time living it. Okay, I was just coming out of the world and uh, never dated a Christian girl before. Norman was the first Christian girl I ever dated, and that's a long story, and I won't get into that. But, you know, I had a hard time living it. Uh, I, would, uh, I, I would pray and ask God to forgive me because, you know, we sin, don't we? Uh, we sin, and, uh, and, and I would find myself going back and, and asking God forgiveness over and over again, it seemed like, for the same thing, and, and as I got out of high school, and Norm and I got married right away, we got married at 19, and, uh, and, and, and we had a hard time living it even as husband and wife, okay? Uh, we did not, we did, uh, 
It's just being honest with you. We did not uh, uh, pray together. Uh, we did not read the word together. Uh, the first thing that dropped off was Wednesday night service because that interfered with my sports. Okay? And uh, then, we, then we stopped going Sunday evenings. And um, back then, you, you know, on Sundays, you had Sunday school, you had church, and you had Sunday night service. And, and we stopped going Sunday evenings because I was working and I was too tired, you know, from playing sports all weekend. And then, so a lot of excuses. And, um, and unfortunately, um, that's normal for a lot of Christians. Unfortunately, that's normal uh, for a lot of Christians. And it's far from what God intended us to be. Um, intended our life to be. So my er early experience was not good. By the time we got to be in 20, 22, 23, 24, uh, at 24, um, I thought, nobody can live this. It's too hard to live. I would, I would go Sunday morning, and, and uh, um, things would happen during the week, and, I'd, and, and the sinful life just started crawling in. And I thought, nobody can live this Christian life. At least I couldn't. And Norma pretty well agreed to the same thing. And, uh, and um, there were some hurts. You know, we get hurt, don't we? We get, hurts, we get hurt in life. And uh, uh, one of my best friends hurt me. Uh, our relationship, Norman, our relationship was going down the tube. And uh, it was bad. It was bad. And we stopped going altogether to church. In fact, the pastor come over to visit us one time. And, uh, and uh, I didn't know it was him. And he knocked on the door. And I opened the door. And I seen him. And I said, Pastor, don't ever, ever come over and visit me again. I want nothing to do with you. I couldn't live it. And I thought those who tried to live it were faking it. Okay, maybe I thought, well, maybe when I get older, maybe when I get older, maybe when I get in my 50s or 60s, maybe I can start living it. But you know, uh, and that's the way it was. We were, we were talking to divorce. We were close to divorce. Everything was going bad. If, if, it, if it happened, it happened to us. And uh, finally, there were some evangelists in town, and they sat down, not in a church, but in a home, in a home setting, and explained to us what it meant, what the Lordship of Christ really meant. The statement that rocked both Norma and I was, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And I probably heard that a hundred times. I can't. But for some reason that night, for some reason that night, it hit me. It hit me hard. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And there was a lot of things in my life, a lot of things in Norma's life, a lot of things in our home that was not Christian, that I didn't give to the Lord. And the verse that really stuck out was Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord and do not what I say? And that hit me with a ton of rocks. See, we want God to serve us. I wanted God to serve me. And it's not the way it is. We're supposed to be serving God. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. I blamed everything on God. Lord, you're supposed to take care of this. Lord, you're supposed to take care of this. Lord, this is not the way my marriage is supposed to be. We got married in the church, Lord. We gave our hearts to you. We gave our marriage to you. It didn't last, but we gave it. 
And this is not the way it's supposed to be. And there was a lot of hurts and a lot of bitterness, anger. I was angry. I was an angry man. I couldn't, I couldn't talk to Norman. Norman couldn't talk to me because all we do is holler and scream. People didn't even want to come and be around us. Oh, we had friends. And they just helped drag us down farther. But when I learned that he wanted to be Lord of all, when I learned that I had to give him everything, just not part of my life, he wanted it all. He didn't want to be part of my life. He wanted everything. And when I learned that, and when I did that, it was late at night when it finally got through to my thick head that I had to give him everything, and our life turned around. I remember telling God that night, and I'm just giving you a brief outline until I get started. I remember telling God that night, because there wasn't any hope for our marriage. If Norma walks out and I never see her again, Lord, I'm following you. Lord, if I lose my job and I lose everything, and we were going to lose everything, it made a house payment in about four months. She was going to get the house, so why should I pay it? If I lose everything, Lord, I'm still going to follow you. No matter what happens, and that's what he wanted, no matter what happens, Jesus, I'm following you 100%. I took my eyes off the world. I stopped playing sports. I stopped. Dead. Stopped. And I played everything. You name it, I played it. I don't think I played ping pong. That's about the only thing I didn't play. But I played everything. Seven, seven days a week, usually. Because I wanted to make sure God had everything. I gave him Norma. I gave him, at that time, we only had one child. But I gave him my life. And I said, Lord, you take it. You take this mess and make out what you can make out of it. See, I was raised in the CMA, and the M stands for Missionary Alliance. And I always thought, God, if you're the Lord of my life, I'm going to end up in Timbuktu someplace being a missionary. I did not want to be a missionary. I did not want to be a pastor. I'm not. I did not want to be a pastor. That was the last thing in my life. And I thought for sure that if I gave him everything, that's where I'd end up. But you know, God had a plan. And God has a plan for all of us. But it has to start in our heart. The Lordship of Christ, he wants to be Lord of it all. He wants all of us, everything. For Christ to be the Lord of our life, it's a matter of of the heart. Every one of us here today have a heart condition. Either it's good or it's bad, but we have a heart condition. There's no in between. And we're going to look at the scripture today. Um, it's a par parable, um, Matthew 13, and it's about a farmer. And Jesus is using this parable, and the first thing he says is, listen. You know what that means? He wants us to hear it. He said, listen, people, I'm giving you a parable. And he said, a farmer went out to sow seed, and he scattered some of the seed across his field, and some fell on the footpath. You know, some, you know, as he was scattering it. They didn't plant the way we plant. Some, and the birds came and they ate it. They ate it up. It says that, um, that some fell on the footpath. Some fell on the soil, soil on a shallow soil. And, and on rocks. And you know, if you plant something on rocks, you know what's going to happen? It's not going to grow because the roots can't get in deep. So it's not going to grow. 
It's going to wither. It's going to die. And it says, others fell among the thorns and grew up and got choked out and got choked out. The thorns is a sin in our life. The word can, you know, we can listen to the word. We read it. We hear it every Sunday. We hear it on Wednesday night if you're here. We hear the word. And you know, like a lot of us, we hear the word and we go out and we say, Pastor, wow, what a strong message. What a good message. And before we get home, we forgot what it was because it already got choked out by things in our life. And it don't have to be sin, sin. It could be the worries of today. It could be a million different things. But it gets choked out. And usually it's the sin that choked it out. It's the weeds that need to be taken out of there. And, who know, and do you know that God is a good gardener? He's a good gardener. He'll take the weeds and he'll get them out of your heart. He'll take the rocks and he'll get them out of your heart. God's a good gardener. And then the key verse here, it says, Still some seed fell on good ground or soil and produced. Good seed, good ground. In other words, what he's talking about here is a good heart. The soil here, the ground here is your heart. And God said, hey, some fell, Jesus said, some fell on the good soil and it produced. The word will produce what you want, what he wants in your heart if your heart is in the right place. If your heart is in the right place. You say, boy, Rick, you're, you're being strong. No, I'm being honest. I'm being honest. For one time in my life, for the first time in my life, I was honest with God. And that's what it takes. You know, we can't fool God. We can't. We can fool others. You know, I'm not talking sinless perfection here. We can fool others, but we can't fool God. And God says, hey, I want it all. I remember that night, and I'm going to stop there. I remember that night, I was giving God everything I had. Everything. Man, I was naming it. I wanted to get rid of everything. And there was one thing I was holding on to, and God said, I want it all. I said, no, you can't have this. It's all I got. You can't have this. And finally, I gave it to God. And I said, Lord, take it and do with it what you want. And you know what? A new life started. A new life started. You can't believe the miracles that we've seen happen in our life, in our marriage, in our home, especially in our heart, as we let God control as we let God control, we started praying together. We started reading the word together. We actually started liking each other. It took a while. It took a while for that hardness to get out and for God to fill it with love. Not my love. My love wasn't any good. His love. I remember telling God, Lord, I can't love her. If you want me to love you, you're going to have to teach me how to love. And boy, did he teach me. But getting back to the heart, it's a heart condition. It has to start with the heart. So the question is, what is a good heart? What is a good heart? So I want to take a look at three things that I got down that is a good heart. First of all, 
A humble heart. A humble heart. A humble heart starts off with being a soft heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put in a new spirit in you. Jesus said, I will give you a new heart. If you're willing, I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit within you. I will remove what? The stones or the hardness out of your heart. When you give God everything, he says, I will remove that stone. That stone may be, you know, our, our hearts, when we get hurt, we guard our heart. We guard our heart. There's bitterness that comes in, and all of a sudden, we don't want to get hurt anymore. We don't want to get hurt anymore. But when we give it to God, when we give it to God, God says, I'll remove it. I'll remove it. We get wounded. We get wounded in life. Life will throw you, you know, when you're looking for a fastball, Lord, he'll throw you a curve. The, the world will throw you a curve. And when you're looking for a curve, the world will throw you a fastball. You know what I'm saying? And you're not looking for it. And we get wounded. There was, there's hurts in our, in our life that we say, oh, I don't want to hurt anymore. And we start putting up walls, and we start protecting so we, so we won't get hurt anymore. I don't want to hear that word. I don't want to hear this word. I don't want to go to church. Because when I go to church, I get convicted. That's why I stopped. Getting hurt is part of life. If we live in this world, we're going to get hurt. Getting hurt is part of our life. You may get hurt in school. You may get hurt in sports. You may get hurt in relationships with friends. They're going to hurt you. They're going to say things that hurt. You may get hurt in marriage. You may even get hurt in church. You may get hurt in church. You know many people, I'm a discipleship pastor, and I have a lot of people that come in and talk to me. And especially, you know, when they first come to church, you know many people come in and they say, you know, I went to this church, I went to that church, and I really got hurt. And I feel, you know, I'm sorry. You know, and we pray through and we, we get through and God gives them victory. So you're going to get hurt. But in Matthew 13, it says, you know, the soil, the, the, the word can't grow unless it's on good ground. And we read the word, we hear the word, and it gets choked out because there's too much junk in our life. And we probably pretty well say, Lord, you know, hey, I can do this myself, Lord. I don't need your help. And then we get in trouble. So a soft heart is what we need. The next one, we need a holy heart. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Got on the wrong one. A contrite heart. We need a contrite heart. Isaiah 57, 15. God dwells at a high and holy place. And with those who have a contrite heart. Contrite heart is defined by feeling or showing sorry or remorse for sin. A contrite heart is, is feeling sorry for sin, feeling remorse for sin, and asking God to forgive us. Not that I got caught. See, there's a difference between getting caught, oh, I'm sorry, I got caught, and saying, God, it's sin. I ask forgiveness, take care of it, and remove it. 
It's really different from saying, I got caught. A contrite heart is quick to acknowledge sin, not justify it. How often we try to justify sin. Lord, everybody's doing it. I know Christians, Lord, that are doing, and, and you're not convicting them. But Lord, why? It's sin? And God wants us to give it to him. I'll never forget about three or four months after, after that night that we were starting to put our life back together. God put his finger on something in my life, and he said, it's sin. I said, no, Lord, it's not sin. I know a million Christians doing it. It's not, but it was sin for me. And God said, stop it. Why? Because for me, it was giving a foothold for Satan, Satan to kind of sneak in. And I had to give it to the Lord and say, I'm sorry. I will not do it again. And I haven't since. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. We're not going to be perfect. Are you perfect? No. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. Because if it's sinless perfection, we just will close up the Bible and walk out. Because it's not sinless perfection. It's keeping short accounts with God and giving it to him. You know, I remember telling God, Lord, I keep praying about this one thing. And you know what? I, I got victory over it. I got, God will give you victory if you're honest and you want it. God will give you victory over the sin that maybe rides you all the time if you're honest with God and you really want to get rid of it. He'll give you victory. The problem is, do we really want to? Or do we want a Band-Aid? How many of you know Band-Aids don't heal? Band-Aids don't heal. You know, when my son, my, my grandson, Got a cut. And right away he wanted the band-aid. He didn't want medicine on it when we were camping because that would help heal. He wanted a band-aid. Band-aids don't heal. It's the medicine of Jesus Christ in our heart that does the healing. And I can't think of a better doctor than Jesus. Man, I'll tell you what. I had a broken life. Norma had a broken life. We had a broken marriage. We had a broken everything. So God says, you know, it's a matter of the heart. Let me soften your heart. Let me remove the sin. Let me remove the thorns. Let me remove the hardness. I remember, you know, I grew up, my dad wasn't a Christian, and I remember him telling me, men don't cry. My dad was a big guy. He was about 6'3", 6'2", 6'3", about 250 pounds, stronger than an ox. I loved the man dearly. I hunted, I fished with him. He taught me how to play sports. But he said, men don't cry. I remember one time I got hurt in football, and he came to see me in the hospital, because that's where they took me. And uh, my mom said, you'll never play again. My dad just winked at me and said, you'll make it. You know, and I played. But anyway, you know, I wanted to cry. I mean, I was hurting, but I didn't because men don't cry. But I learned something. I learned to cry. I learned to cry when I asked forgiveness. I learned to cry over sin. I learned to cry over mistakes. I learned to cry because I didn't give Jesus everything. I learned to cry because I left. I lost six years of my life. I felt, but God restored it. God is in the restoring business. God is in the restoring business. First Peter five five says, "God 
opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. God wants us to be humble before him. He wants a humble heart because God can't work in our heart unless it's humble, unless it's given to him. Psalms 10, 17 says, he hears the desire of the humble. He hears the desire of the humble. I wanted God to fix everything, but I didn't want to do my part. God will fix everything. He will, if we do our part. When we're humble, when we're humble before him, God will prepare our hearts to hear the word and to understand the word. I'll never forget, after, after we got saved, opening up the word, after we came back to the Lord, opening up the word and reading, and it made sense. What I read, wow, was what I needed. And I started to grow. I started to learn how to pray. I prayed for Norma and she prayed for me. This is what we were told to do. Don't ask God anything for a month. I prayed for her and she prayed for me out loud. And we learned to pray. And God did the rest. But the word came alive. It came, we would study the word together and pray together. In fact, we called our pastor, the one I told, I had to go apologize to him, but the one I told never come to our house again. We called him one night at 10 o'clock at night because we just seen something. Remember that, Norman? We called and his wife answered the phone and we said, listen to what God's word says. I'm telling a pastor's wife to listen to what God's word says. And I know on the other end, they were probably laughing. But it was something for us that was alive. And they said, oh, wow, that is great. They probably afterwards said, they're starting to grow. But God's, you want to grow? You want to grow? You want to understand the word? Give everything to Jesus. Give your heart to the Lord. Everything. And he'll start working a miracle in your life. He'll start working a miracle in your life. Another thing is a teachable heart. A teachable heart. The Lord says, I am high and loft, lifted up. I'm the Holy One, he says. I live in a high and holy place with those whose spirit are contrite and humble. I will restore, I will restore the crushed spirit and receive and receive the courage of those who repent. A teachable heart is a heart that's given to the Lord. You know why the Pharisees didn't have a teachable heart? Because they knew everything. They knew everything. The Pharisees thought they knew it all. And they couldn't, Jesus couldn't teach them anything because they couldn't receive. They knew it all. Have you ever thought, well, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go to church Sunday or not because I see what pastor's preaching and I drive by and I see the sound, and I already know that. So why do I need to go to church? It's one of those being a teachable heart, a teachable heart. Job 34, verse 32, and this is not in your outline. Teach me what I do not see. And if I... And if I have done wrong, help me not to do it again. Teach me, Lord, what I do not see. Isn't that good? 
God teaches us sometimes what we do not see. He sees it all, we don't. He sees tomorrow, we don't. He knows tomorrow, we don't. Isn't it good we don't know tomorrow? Because some of us wouldn't want to see tomorrow. But he's, we say, teach me, so I will not do it again. A teachable heart wants to be taught by the Holy Spirit. We want to be taught. We want to get in the Word, and we want to find something deep. I'll never forget when I said, Lord, I don't know how to love Norma. There's no love there. You've got to teach me how to love her. And through the Word, he taught me what love meant. In Corinthians, he taught me what love meant. In Ephesians, he taught me what love meant. He taught me how to love my wife. He taught me how to be the man of my home, how to be the priest of my home. Priest don't mean I lord over. Priest means I loved her the way God loves me. So God will teach you if you're willing to learn. If your heart is a teachable heart. The second point is a holy heart. Holy means set apart. Holy means set apart. You must be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all the others, from all the other people, to be my very own. God said, I am holy, so be holy. But he said, I am going to set you apart. I'm going to set you apart from the world. Why? Because, what's it say? Because you are mine. People, we are the Lord's. If you're saved today, you are the Lord. And what you need to do is just learn how to walk it. What all of us need to do. We need to make him Lord of our life. And that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. So a holy heart. It don't mean being holier than thou. You know, some of us, some people think they're so holy that they have the word and they have the word from God for everybody in their life. No, you know what? We're not the Holy Spirit. It's a holy life. A lot of the things that God gives us is not to share with other people. It's for us. So before you go out and try to straighten everybody else's life out, listen to what God has to say for you. Now, he does give us word for other people once in a while. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, we're set apart in conduct. We're set apart in conduct. What that means is it says here, don't conform to the evil desires. We should, in other words, we should also be set apart in conduct. Don't act like a sinner's. Don't act like sinners. I'll never forget. Uh, I worked at Chrysler for years. And I was a boss. and I had this one guy that worked for me, uh, a Christian man. How many remember tracks? The tracks that you used to hand out, you know? And he would go down the line, and, I, and we worked in a crankshaft department, which is a pretty rough department and uh, pretty rough guys. And uh, he would go down, and he would hand all these guys a track, and he'd tell them, you got to be saved, you got to be saved, you got to be saved. And the guys would really ride him, and he would lose his temper, and he would swear and cuss at him and call him names. And, they, you know, I mean, he would. 
And, you know, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, I'm his boss. What do I do? Um, so finally, one day, uh, he's not here. So finally, one day, uh, I called Bob in my office. I said, Bob, come on in. I just need to talk to you for a minute. Yeah. I said, will you do me a favor, Bob? He said, yeah, what is it? I said, don't tell anybody that you're a Christian. Please. And he looked at me with a stunned look. Why? I said, because you're, you're the exact opposite of what a Christian should act like. Bob, when you, you're handing out tracts and you're telling people they've got to be saved, that's great. But in the next words, you're swearing, you're calling them names, you're, you're losing your temper, you're acting like a two-year-old. Nobody wants that, Bob. So please don't tell anybody you're a Christian. Oh, he was mad. He went out of my office storming. He didn't talk to me for about two weeks. And finally, a couple months later, he came up to me and he said, Rick, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, yeah. He said, I went to my pastor and I told him what was happening. And you're, I said, what did your pastor say? He said, he told me you were right. <laughs> Bob changed. Bob changed. I have to give the guy credit. Bob changed, and, and in fact, I seen Bob lead people to the Lord. Because why? Because of changed heart. Because of changed heart. The stones that were in the heart became soft when he gave it to Jesus. Isn't that something? It wasn't me, it was God. If you want, a, if you want your heart to be a good heart, you got to guard against it. You got to guard against it. You know, and when I think of a guard, I think of somebody standing with a gun in front of a door or in front of a whatever. You know, when we were over in the Philippines, we went to this mall, and every store had an armed gun, had an armed guard with a gun. And the missionary that we were with said, if you pick something up, buy it. Because if you walk around too long, especially if you walk out, they'll shoot you. So that's what I think of when I think of a guard. But you know, sometimes we let our guard down and things get in our heart that shouldn't. And God says, guard against it. Guard against the evils of this world. Guard against the, the garbage and the filth and the thinking of this world. When it gets here, it's not that far from getting here. Don't do it. Don't read it. What we have to learn to do, and this is not easy, but what we have to learn to do is run from sin. Learn to run. I did. Man, something was thrown in my face. And I learned to run from it. Not enjoy it. Run from it. I don't mean after enjoying it for a while. Run from it. Saying, God, I don't want anything to do about it. That's guarding your heart and not thinking about it. Lord, it's in there. Please take those thoughts away. And God will. And God will. If we want him to. But the problem is sometimes we don't want him to because we want to play with him for a little while. We want to think about it a little while. Again, um, you know, we can't fool God. We can fool everybody else. We can. We can fool our friends. We can fool a pastor. 
but you can't fool God. He wants it all. You may walk around and everybody thinks, oh, man, there is the holy of holies. No, we're just like everybody else, aren't we? Without God, we're nothing. But with God, there's victory. With God, there's victory. So guard against sin. Guard against the garbage and the filth. And it's all around us, isn't it? You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Last night, I was driving down 23, coming home. Had my camper behind me. And there's a billboard that says, tonight is the night that you want to be bad. It was advertising a place that we shouldn't be. And it says, tonight's the night you want to be bad. What an advertising. I thought, oh, man. You know? No, not tonight's the night you want to be bad. Tonight's the night you want to be good. We don't need that filth. But somebody will see that, and they'll think about it, and that starts getting in there, and we think about it, and we think about it. Give it to God. Don't read it. If you know there's something that you shouldn't do, don't do it. Don't play with it and then give it to God. Don't read it. Oh, I want to read this just to see how bad it really is. Baloney. I'm just being honest with you. You want to read it because you want to know it. Don't do it. If there's something that you shouldn't see, don't go and see it. If there's a book you shouldn't read, don't read it. That's my answer for never reading a book. Pastor said, how many books did you read this year? I said, this year? <laughs> I read one on sports. But don't, you know what I'm saying? Don't play with sin. When your heart is where you need to be, you're not going to play with sin. You're going to learn to run from it. You know, there's a sign that just says, just say no. It's more than that. It says, don't do it at all. Run from it. Say no and run. Don't allow it in your mind. Because if you allow it in your mind, it's not far to sneak down to the heart. And sometimes the guard puts his gun down to blow his nose. And things, I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying, though. And things sneak in, sneak in our heart. And when it sneaks in our heart, it's not long before it starts choking out what God says is good. The third one, this is my last one. Hey, I'm almost on time. Is a heavenly heart. A heavenly heart. Our third heart is a heavenly heart. If your mind is set on temporal things, temporal mindset, you're going to have a hard time understanding this word. You're going to have a hard time understanding what is eternal and what God is saying about eternal. A heavenly heart. In other words, get into the Word. Get into the Lord. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. We worry about things that are going on today. We worry about how we're going to make the car payment. We worry about what we're going to do with the house. We got to do this with the house. We do that with the house. We worry about everything else that we don't need to worry about. Because if it's in God's hands, let him worry. 
Give it to God. Let him worry. God don't worry. He fixes it. You know, we worry about things, and then God takes care of it, and we think, wow. Why did I worry about that? We're worrying about things, and next, ne- next week we worry about something new because the other one already passed. We worry about things that we don't need to worry about. God said, fix your eyes on the eternal. Fix your eyes on heaven. I'm not talking about being so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. I'm talking about being, keeping your eyes on Jesus, not on the things of the world. Sure, my house needs painting. Sure, we need new carpeting. Sure, we need this and we need that. But fix your eyes on Jesus. And don't worry about it. The carpet will clean, get cleaned. The house, we can paint. My camper, L can fix. I got you lined up on that, L. You know, fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. And when our eyes are fixed on him, when our eyes are fixed on him, on the eternal things. Put your mindset, set your mind on things above, not on things in this world. Put your mind on things above. Lord, I can't wait to get to heaven. Lord, my eyes are fixed on you. Jesus, you open the doors and I'll walk through them. You close the doors and I'll stop. But Jesus, I want to follow you every step of the way. Does that mean I'm walking a perfect path down here? No. I get sidetracked. You get sidetracked just like everything else. But getting sidetracked, you know, it's called keeping short accounts with God. Keeping short accounts with him. In other words, if there's sin, get rid of it. Don't let it build up to where it's almost crushing you. Get rid of it. Keep your mind on heavenly things. Keep in the word. How do we keep our mind on heavenly things? By the word. You know, when people come in and they sit down in my office and Almost every one of them, nine, nine out of ten. I'll say, how's your prayer life? Well, you know, I just don't seem to be able to pray. It don't get through, you know, it bounces off the ceiling. How's your reading? Well, I, I don't have time to get into the Word. And then they wonder why they're in trouble. Then they wonder why they can't hear from God. Then they wonder why things aren't going the way God promised they would. God didn't promise us. He promised you walk after me and I'll take care of the rest. That's the promise. It's not going to be a rose garden. How many of us know that? But God, God walks before us and he takes the thorns out of the way and we walk through it. There's going to be trouble. There's going to be heartache. There's going to be brokenness. But God can heal the broken heart. God can take care of the problems as they arise. I, you know, I have three daughters. And growing up, you know, Norma was a great mother. I was an awful father. I was, I, I worked a lot. I tried to be a good dad. Now they think I'm great. But back then they didn't when I said no. You know, I want to go here. No. I want to go there. No. I want to do this. No. Why? Because I want, you know, I, I want you to be good girls. And I thought, man, when they grow up, they'll never, you know, all three of them follow the Lord. And it was a struggle. You know, it was a struggle. But, you know, I gave them to God. So, yeah, things are going to come. Things are going to happen. It says, think about the heavenly things, not the earthly things. The word will accomplish, listen to this, the word will accomplish its purpose in your heart. The word 
will accomplish its purpose in your heart if you let it. God said the word. The written word, the preached word, will accomplish what God has. It says the rain and the snow come down from heaven and stays on the ground to water the earth. That causes the grain to grow. It produces seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. If I send it out, it will produce fruit. And it will accomplish what I want it to. It will accomplish what I want it to. People, God's word will accomplish in your life what he wants it to if you let it. If you let it. In closing this morning, let me find my notes. Christ wants to be the Lord of your life. He wants to be the Lord. He said, why call me Lord if you're not going to do it? He wants to be the Lord of your life. And it starts with our heart. It starts with our heart. The humble heart. Give God the wounds. Give God the hurts. Give God the relationships that maybe fell apart. And God is in the healing business. He will heal the hurts. He'll heal the wounds. He'll heal the relationships. And you'll heal the broken heart. And he'll make your he'll make your soil teachable. A holy heart, we're set apart for God. We're set apart. God says you are set apart from your mind. Do you realize that we are God's? And he has set us apart from the world. Guard your heart from the sin. Guard your heart from the sin that. It may be a sin that besets you. It may be a sin that, man, I, Pastor Rick, you don't understand. I just can't get victory over this. I faced that. I faced it. It was a tough one. But when I gave it to God and kept working on it and kept working on it and kept working on it, God gave me victory. It wasn't overnight. It took some time. It took some time. God could have did it like that. But he had to work on a hard heart. He had to work on a, first he had to get through my head, which is kind of solid. Give it to God and learn to run. Learn to run from sin. Learn to run from it. And a heavenly heart, keep your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on the Word, and God will teach you. Fix your eyes on the messages that Pastor preaches. Take notes, write them down. If you're like me, you have to take notes because I forget. God's word will accomplish in your heart the purpose that he has, not the purpose you have because sometimes our purpose is different than God's purpose. But God's word will accomplish the purpose that he has just for you. Not everybody is going to be a, a pastor. Not everybody is going to be a missionary. Not everybody is going to be a deacon. But everyone, every one of us, can walk 
the life that Jesus has for us when he's Lord of our heart and when he's Lord of all. Why call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say? The word says, give it to me. Jesus says, give it to me. And when you give it to him, it accomplishes what he wants. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you this morning, Lord, for your word that says, I want to be the Lord of your life. Give it to me. Jesus, it starts in our heart. Lord, I ask this morning, Jesus, as, as your word said, that you will come in and you break up the stones and you make us a soft heart. Lord, you'll make us pliable to your word. So Lord, Lord, this morning, apply your word to each one of our lives. Lord, this morning, we pray, Lord, for the holy heart. God, we are set apart. We are set apart, Heavenly Father. If we're saved, you have set us apart for you. We are yours. We are yours and you are ours. You are our Heavenly Father. And Lord, we are yours. So Lord, help us to run from the things that come in our life, the foreign objects that Satan throws at us, the garbage of the world. Help us to run from it. And Lord, the holy heart, the holy heart, Lord, we just pray for the heavenly heart that we keep our eyes on you. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. And Lord, when our eyes are fixed upon you, it seems like everything else just melts away. Everything else melts away. And you lead and you guide. And you, you, through your word, accomplishes the purpose in our life. We ask these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen.